Hello and welcome to the CRE with Cobalt Banker Commercial Worldwide podcast. My name is Christina Ballas, the National Director of Strategic Implementation for CBC, and I'll be your host today. We are joined by Josh Best, Director of Learning at Cobalt Banker Commercial. I am so excited for us to get to know Josh more. He is an experienced training and development leader with a demonstrated history of working in the financial services industry. But he is also very tenured in nonprofit organizations, educational technology, team building, fundraising, and adult learning. And now he has joined CBC to bolster their learning and development programming and platforms. Additionally, Josh will be joining our team of hosts on this podcast, so look out for more amazing content led by Josh soon. He's here today to talk to us about his own journey within the learning and development space and opportunities he sees for commercial real estate professionals in his network. Welcome, Josh. Thank you so much for joining us today. Yes, and thank you for having me. That that introduction makes me feel like I've got things to live up to as in our conversation today, so I'm excited. <laughs> We are so excited to have you. I would love to kick off with a summary or a short little description of your path into learning and development. Yeah, absolutely. I took a, a bit of a, I think like a lot of corporate training and development professionals, I took maybe a bit of a sideways path to get to learning. I went to school to be a lawyer. And I found after about a year of taking classes that were designed to get me into the, the ranks of, of the Esquires of the world, that it was not for me. It, I realized that it is not like the movie A Few Good Men. And so it's there's no surprises. It's a lot of memorization, prep and practice. And and while I do all of those things today at the time, the early freshman year of college, that was not super appealing to me at that point. So I was at Central Michigan University. Shout out to, to any other Chippewas out there. But I was at Central Michigan and they had a climbing wall, rock climbing wall. And I would go rock climbing. And I actually found out that you could essentially major in rock climbing, which was a degree called outdoor recreation. And so I transitioned. I went into outdoor rec and community recreation, got a double major there and minored in geology. I figured if I was climbing the rocks, I should know what they were that I was climbing, right? And so changed and had the intention of running summer camps and summer camp programs or year-round camp programs. And that's what I did for about 10 years. I worked at and ran summer camp programs. I found after about two years of doing that, that I had a knack for working with, I think the buzzword at the time was students outside of the educational norm, which are essentially what we commonly know as at-risk youth kids that were in our programs because some somebody in a rope often told them they had to be there. And so we would work with our students and we would take them on these different types of adventure and backcountry trips, but also do life skills and next level job skill training with them and, and all sorts of stuff. So for any listeners that have worked in nonprofit, you know, you don't send a whole bunch of people to training. You tend to send one person to training. That individual comes back and they train everybody else at your nonprofit and they make dirty copies of the manual. If I'm breaking any copyright law, please just delete that part. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> they make copies of their manual and they train everybody else around them. And, and that's how it goes. 
And so I got a lot of training experience. I was a, a CPR trainer and a lifeguard trainer and a, a crisis prevention trainer. I, I trained just about everything you could. And I was just always the person in the room with my hand in the air. We need someone to go do this. I was that individual that always just had my hand in the air. And so through that, found some success training adults who then worked with the population of kids that I worked with and then realized that I had kind of maxed out in the career that I was in with the with the organization that I was with. It was a fantastic organization, amazing mission. But for my goals and what I wanted to do with my life and my and have a family one day and do all of those things, I needed to transition out of that. And so found a role as a leadership trainer with Rocket Mortgage. Applied, got hired there, taught leadership for a few years and was promoted into a team leader position and then a director position, all in the training ecosystem there. And so spent about eight years of my 10 years with Rocket doing leadership training. And then the last two years, I started and built a team of business to business sales trainers. So folks that would work with our partner network across the U.S. that were writing mortgages on everything from technology enablement to sales training to just really anything else you can imagine. So spent the last two years working with Rocket doing that role and learned a ton and, and gained a, a lot of knowledge about the, the way that we can train and specifically the way that folks that are in the financial world and specifically the sales world can be incredibly effective in their roles. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, you have a few nuggets in there that I just want to dig into. One thing that is apparent to me is that you were, even as a young college student, extremely thoughtful about what brought you joy and what you could be passionate about and, and shifting from something like law. I mean, I actually thought I was going to be a lawyer when I grew up too. So we have <laughs> that in common, but shifting from something that you were on a path for to realizing that that may not be what brings you joy is quite mature for that stage of life. Can you talk to me about like your intentionality there? Was it just a whim or is that kind of your, the way you've lived your life is just being intentional about what brings you happiness? Yeah, I think a little of both. I think a lot of a lot of folks that early are driven by what brings them happiness at that point, right? There's not a lot of restrictions there. I did get into a point, you know, early in my career when I made the shift from nonprofit to quote unquote the corporate world. All of my friends in nonprofit told me I'd sold out. And I was like, no, no, I don't think you understand. That was the intent. But um <laughs> so when I when I made that transition, that's really when it started to become more apparent that I needed to focus on balance. And I I worked with somebody who was our chief technical or technology officer, and she always used to say to be all in. And I realized retrospectively that that's really what I'd been doing is if I'm with my family, I'm all in with my family. If I'm working, I'm all in with the work that I'm doing. If I'm no matter what I'm doing, I've got to be all in with that. And there is a factor of if if it, if it doesn't bring you joy, I think the Marie Kondo philosophy, right? If it doesn't bring totally. you joy, what do you what do you have it for? And so I have been driven by that, and it's it's and that that idea of being all in wherever you are. Folks talk about work life balance, and I don't know that you can balance the two because they all happen, especially in this COVID post COVID environment. They all happen at the same time and in the same place. And so the balance, I don't know that you can strike as much as you can focus on. I'm all in with the thing that I'm doing right now. That is so well put. I think I have learned through the past few years with the pandemic on how to 
really be present. And I I agree wholeheartedly with the, the work-life balance thing. I mean, I work and life are kind of one and the same, especially working from home and having small children, but it's being really focused on the task at hand. And if it's work, it's shutting off the rest and being okay, maybe with the kids learning from their iPads. And mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're if you're doing the kid thing, it's it's putting the for me, it's putting my phone down and walking away and just, you know, really being focused on what I'm doing, even if it's just baking muffins. So I agree with that. I love that being all in. The other thing that you that you said that I want to kind of dig into a little bit is you are the one that always had your hand raised. I feel like another way of saying that is like when a door opens, you always walk through it or saying yes or, you know, whatever the the kind of quote of the day is for that. Mm. But tell me what made you feel either bold enough, brave enough to do that, or just that that was what how you wanted to start your career is just being in that say yes mode. My dad was a long distance truck driver. He drove coast to coast for the entire time that we were growing up. He was a man of few words, but when he when he spoke, the words meant something. And a a couple of things that he told me is is number one, never use 10 words when five will do, which I thought was a really good philosophy around things. I haven't listened to a word of that one. but (laughs) I, I, I talk way too much. But the other one that he talked about is that no matter what position you're in, you should be willing to do the work. And so a CEO should be just as willing to plunge a toilet as a janitor, right? That was his thought process on it. And being in the industry that he was in, I could completely understand why that was the case. And so that kind of guided me through my entire life, my work career. I've worked since I was 12 years old. I had my first job cleaning an office building at 12 years old. And that's, that's really what, what has driven it is that idea that like you can, you can do anything if you're willing to just say, title aside, ego aside, arrogance aside, what are you open to? What can you say yes to? And while it might not be on your direct career path right now, if I say yes to this, it's going to get me the next promotion. That doesn't necessarily matter as much as making the connections and the the learning the skill and learning the thing that you need to know and, and, and the empathy that goes along with doing any role or anything inside of an organization. I think that, that the learning opportunity, and that's maybe why I ended up in training, but the learning opportunity and taking action that maybe you're a little uncomfortable with, I think is too great to pass up because of ego or arrogance. That is so well put. And that absolutely highlights why you are a forever learner and so passionate (laughs) about learning and development. I would love to also talk about some of the rich experience you had in the outdoor rec space, whether it was working with the youth that you did or even with the executives. But I'd love to dig into how out the outdoor space, because we tend to actually provide a lot of opportunities for our professionals to be outside. It's it's something that's very, I don't know, fulfilling, um, Mm -hmm. but I've never been thoughtful about why. And so I'd love to dig into why the outdoor rec space was a great place to train and develop people. Yeah, it works really well, in my opinion, because it introduces a low level of anxiety that requires people more quickly to fire their representative. Oftentimes when we get together for learning and development and things like that, it's not us that shows up to those things. It's the representative that we have hired to be there for us. Right. And so I think of I call it airport anxiety. 
Like I show up to the airport like four and a half hours early just to watch people because the airport introduces enough of a low level of anxiety that folks don't really have time to employ their representative. It's just them. It's the rawest version of who they are. The outdoor world operates in the exact same way where the, this idea that I'm worried about so much that I can't be worried about putting on that mask that keeps me often from having genuine relationships. And so sometimes that is justified and there's a, you you know, there's a tornado or there's something that is justifying that anxiety. A lot of times it's just that that self-imposed worry. But the the positive result of it is that now I am my most genuine self with the people around me. And so you get to outcomes quicker when it comes to team building and brainstorming and challenging each other and doing that respectfully. And what my old chairman used to call violent disagreement, right, where you come where you you have this moment where you know that you respect the person that you are arguing with so much that you can push that argument a little bit further. Mm -hmm. And you know that it's coming from a good place and coming from a good intention. You get to great results by doing that. And so that's that's really, I think, what made the outdoors such a great place, both for the youth that we were working with, because it's, you know, the, with, with kids, it's a really interesting place to watch them explore what they're capable of. And then I, I thought that that was only true for kids. And then I started working with adults in the outdoors. And I found out that it's... It, at-risk youth and corporate adults are very similar, similar <laughs> mindsets deployed yep. differently. And so it's, it was, there's, there's really an overlap of engagement that you see in the outdoors with both of those audiences. That's amazing. I feel like there's a lot to unpack on that statement for a different <laughs> podcast of like opportunities versus, you know, maybe not people that didn't have opportunities, but the fact that there's similarities there, I, that's, that's very interesting to think about. I love that. You and I have had conversations in the past, so I wanted to give you the space to talk about a word that came up with us multiple times that's really important to you. And that was this concept of integrity. Mm. And I wanted to just kind of dig into why that was important to you. Obviously, it's a it's a big word that's important to a lot of people. But what about that kind of sets the tone on how you think about work and all that's revolved around that? Yeah, the the idea of integrity to me, at, at my organization that I worked, worked with previously, one of their kind of core philosophies was was called do the right thing. And with that, you know, they talked about when nobody's looking over your shoulder, do you make a decision that is of high integrity? I also had the opportunity to to get some experience with a company called the the Full Circle Group for some leadership training. And their concept of integrity goes one step further, which I, I really aligned with, which is do your values and your actions align? And I realized that that was really the definition of integrity that I've kind of operated with and looked for in in anybody that I'm, you know, lifelong friends with or that I spend a fair amount of time with is that idea of I don't I, I don't necessarily how I don't get hung up on what the background is, what your what your approach is, what even the way that you engage with people. What I want to know is, are the things that you value and the things that you do aligned? Like I've always hated movies where there's like the deathbed conversion or the the last minute, like the villain becomes the hero, because I don't think that that's necessarily accurate, that somebody makes the change like that. I'm sure that listeners will write in and disagree wholeheartedly with that. But 
I think that when you demonstrate your actions and your values being aligned, that leads to a fair level of consistency in the way that you show up for people. And when you have a fair level of consistency in the way that you show up, I think you're a more effective salesperson. I think you're a more effective leader. I think that you're more effective parent. I think that that level of consistency leads to people being able to interact with you cherish when you give them a yes, but also respect when you give them a no. Like those are the things that I think really stem from a high degree of integrity or that idea of values and actions aligning. That's a really interesting way to put the yeses and the noes. And Coal Banker Commercial's core values, one of them is do right also, is probably one of the reasons why you came to this company. Mm-hmm. But there are folks that have to, and and I in the commercial real estate space, because there's so much to consider, I think that there is a lot of times where we people are told no for lots of good reasons. And it, it's hard. And I've, I've actually been trying to figure out what makes something like that palatable when you're really in a high sales, you know, high stress environment, because we always pick the ethical solution. And our people do every day. And I think you just kind of hit it. It's like when you when you are consistent and you have these values that lead you, when you say no, it's not no for no reason. It's mm-hmm. no for a very good reason. And then people understand that the intentions are always good. And that's it's really interesting. I hadn't really thought of the consistency of the way you act really being the reason why you can act so ethically and it be taken so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was Ron Howard talked about that. He was on a, a podcast called Smartless, which is like my that's the one that I've been binging a lot lately. It's nice. fantastic. But his because they they asked him, he's a director for a film that's known like prolific director that's known for really collaborative environments where mm-hmm. no matter what, if it's your first day or you've been doing this for 40 years on the set, if you have an idea you can bring it up and he's open to that and talks about that. And that's one of the things that he talked about was like the the hosts were asking him, why can you, why do you have that reputation? And he said almost exactly that when you, when people know that you're open to saying yes, then the no is a a more understandable, you know, that it's just, I think a really good thought and a good philosophy. Yeah, that's great. It sounds like throughout your career as well that you are always looking to find a better way to do things. Can you tell me how you get into that mindset and what does that mean to you? The idea of finding a better way, I think, is ingrained in me. I talked about my dad a little bit, but my mom is also just a hustler, right? My mom, my mom has worked three jobs since the time that I can remember, sometimes because she had to, sometimes because like she retired, she sold a company, spent six months retired. And she was like, I'm so bored. She's back to three jobs. She's working for three organizations right now. At 65 years old, she re-entered the workforce and is working for three different organizations right now. And so that idea, and I, one of the ways that I saw her be successful with that was, it was really interesting to me, was never be afraid to break down to just the ridiculously simple, what is going on right now and how could it be better? I used this phrase in a meeting the other day, but the the idea that that change is not an indictment of the past, that change Mm. is something to be favored and something to be looked for. And it's not an indictment of the past. That's that comes from my old chief learning officer, Kamari. She always talked about that, that change is it's welcome, but it doesn't mean that we've been doing things wrong. It means that we want to get better. We want to evolve and we want to see how things can can enhance. And so 
between those two, my my life has been completely shaped by powerful women. But the, between those two in particular, that idea of being just really focused on, OK, there's no ego. So let's leave that at the door and let's look at the system for what the system is. Let's take that system, break it down to its simplest components and then figure out how we can reorganize those components, get rid of some, bring in some new ones that lead us to something that's more efficient, better for the user. And ultimately, I think this is one of my core leadership philosophies personally. How do we take care of the people that we support? If we always come from a care first mentality, then the work will take care of itself. Because if people know that they're supported, loved and cared for, this goes back to my work with youth, that Maslow's hierarchy of needs, Mm -hmm. food, water, shelter, clothing is at the base, right? It's why like sales teams will buy lunch for their salespeople. We understand at a very base level that food, water, shelter, clothing is the very basics, right? After Mm -hmm. that, it's safety, love and belonging. If we can keep people feeling safe, feeling loved and feeling like they belong through care, then we have a much easier time doing everything that comes after that. And that's really where, you know, looking at finding a better way comes from is how can we re-engineer this system to care first and then using the care that we've established for our folks, establish a better product. You know, the concept of feeling safe, loved, appreciated, et cetera, to then be your best version. I would also say, I think organizations, you know, if you're if you're a leader of an organization, need to make sure their people feel that way so that they can try and think of doing things a better way. Like I feel like maybe you felt safe and appreciated. And so you could offer solutions that were different or change things up. And so for anybody that's a leader of people or a leader of an organization, I think that's such an important thing is and and I think you've echoed actually throughout our whole conversation just about being authentic and, you know, making sure that you show up as your full self. And all of those things can only happen if there's a space that allows you to feel safe to do those things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what a great result you can have if you can ha- work in a space that that makes you feel those ways. Well, and even think about outside of um think about outside of leadership. Think about our our folks that are in the trenches and doing the work every day in commercial real estate. I can imagine that your clients feel better about the deal, about maybe even things that you propose that might edge towards risk. Maybe even the things that you say, hey, let's try this on a, on a sale, a purchase, whatever that happens to be. Your people feel better when they feel safe, when they feel cared for by you, when they feel like they have a sense of belonging within the team that you've created around them. So it's not even direct people leadership, although that plays a big part for me. It's it's the whole idea of we lead in every space that we're in or we have the choice to lead in every space that we're in, whether people report to us or not. We are leading in the transaction, in the way that we talk to people, in the way that we interact with them. And so I think that that idea of integrity, finding a better way and providing safety, love and belonging transcend reporting structure and go to a, a lot of the relationships that we carry, especially in the sales world. So well put. Absolutely. Okay, there was something else that you had told me the other day that I that I definitely needed to hit on today, and that was that numbers and dollars follow, they don't lead. So I wanted to talk a little bit about that. And obviously, it's in regards to all the stuff that we've been talking about just now. Yeah, 
this is another one of those cultural pillars that that came from another organization, but that just really resonates. And, and, you know, marketing folks have a really good way of putting things into words that you felt for a long time. That's why marketing people are so (laughs) successful because they can translate feelings into images and words. And so, yeah, it's, it's, it's the thought that when, when folks get really focused on chasing the next dollar, the next paycheck, the line item that, that they're going after, they can lose sight of the bigger picture. And, and maybe you start by making small compromises to get yourself there. But often you can end up you know, off track from where you had initially started, where if you focus on taking the right actions, bringing that integrity piece back, doing the right thing and focusing on what you want to be versus what you want to gain, then the numbers and money tend to follow after that. If you look at successful CEOs, successful companies, successful salespeople, they're often not the ones that are focused on every single line item of the budget. They're often the ones that are focused on this is who we are going to be. This is who we are going to portray to the world. And through that, we are going to build a successful business that people will want to be a part of. I think Simon Sinek talks about that in one of his TED Talks with the three. Everybody's seen the one with the three circles on the on the easel, right? But that idea of starting with why and, and building out from the middle, but the, but taking the right actions and trust. There's, an, there, there's, a, there, there's a, a factor of trust there that if I take the right actions, the success will follow. And it's not a one for one. Sometimes you take a lot of the right actions and you don't see the success as quickly, but it's it's a little bit of the tortoise and the hare, right? The hare was trying to get there quick and did it in the wrong way and failed in the long run where the tortoise was deliberate, intentional and, and authentic with his actions and ended up winning the race. Absolutely. Well, I also would love for you to tell us what you have been up to in joining your new company for the past few weeks. And so to me... It's been quite impressive, but you really just jumped all in and you certainly already have a perspective. So besides talking about how you came to Cobalt Banker Commercial and what kind of course of action you took, it was nothing anyone told you to do. You you did it all on your own. And then you really have a perspective on the opportunity that lies in front of us. And so I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that. Yeah, this was a super exciting company. Just from a from a brand standpoint alone, that's what that's what led me to click to find out more about the job, right? From like the, the proud history of of a hundred year brands, hundred plus year brands is something that's enticing all on its own. And then, you know, you you get in. I've been here for three weeks now. This is wrapping up my third week, and you can really see I love companies that the core philosophies are not just posters on the wall, that they're defined and demonstrated in the actions of every individual. And I've had the opportunity so far in the first three weeks, I think I've had probably 20 one-on-ones with folks all across the business to figure out some, somewhat of what's going on, but also just understand is who we say we are, the reality that going back to integrity, do we say what we value and then do we live by those values? And I'm finding it to be 100% true in every conversation that I've had. So that like reinforces the decision to take a risk to leave a comfortable place and go to a new place. And I've had that decision consistently reinforced. From a learning standpoint, I think that we're in a great place. There's coming into a foundation that that is this strong is amazing. Walking into a place that has established systems, great technology supporting the learning, all of that is super positive and a and a wonderful place to start. I think where we go from here is really tailoring 
I, I guess it's coming through that the, the, the care piece, tailoring our learning to care for the individual learner. I want learners to always feel like they have support from us, even when they're not necessarily seeking learning and development support. So I, I want you to know that the first place that you can go to develop yourself is commercial university. After that, I want you to know that not only can you go there, but the commercial university is going to proactively reach out to you when there are learning opportunities that fit your specific career position right now that will help move you to the next level. We need to be intuitive. We need to drive that understanding. We need to drive that knowledge. And our folks are exceptionally busy. When you look at the, the scope of what these people are doing every single day in the field, in the trenches, of course, it, learning might not be number one priority every single day of your career, right? So if I happen to slip to the number two priority, I want you to get a text or an email in your pocket that says, hey, we just saw you do this action. Here's a great learning to reinforce what you just did. Or if you own a, a, a business and you've got four or five people there that are in different phases of their career, then they should have the exact information that they need and that, that that you can deliver to them of go to commercial university, sign up for this thing, or take this learning opportunity, or, or, or again, put your hand in the air, be the person that signs up for this next thing. I want all of that to happen without you having to think about it. It's so interesting. I'm going to I'm going to draw some conclusions here. It sounds like you your intentions are to have the learning platform and the learning work that, you know, you you actually will be doing too mm. to be as present in the professionals lives as you expect them to be in their own lives. And so it's like this concept of presence and intentionality and I just think that that's such a beautiful way to tie things together. I don't know. Not that yeah. I'm giving myself too much of a pat <laughs> on the back, but I'm just like, wow, it's like just really presence and showing up for whether it's a tech platform or human interaction, showing up yeah. where people need you when they need you and how they need you. Right. And be being all in when you're there, when you choose to show up to something, I mean, you're there. Why not? Why not be all in for it? And And so, yeah, I think you know, when you, when folks sign up, I'm sure they're going to leave this podcast. They're going to go to commercial. They're going to sign up for a few classes. I have no doubt about that. And so when they sign up, what I want them to feel, what I want someone to feel in a class that I'm teaching or that our team is putting on is that our instructors are all in with them, that there is yeah. no distraction, that there is nothing happening other, in the world other than that learner. I want it to feel like a personal connection. You'll also hear me in those conversations expect the same thing of the audience. I want your cameras on. I want you focused on what you're doing, because if you're here, don't just check the box, be all in and do the, do the thing that you signed up to do. Absolutely. I could not agree more. Well, I think we are at the point where we should wrap up. I already kind of shared my, my take on conclusions, but I will say my theme, if I had to pick one, is this concept of being all in that you've repeated throughout our conversation. But is there anything that you'd like our listeners to have as a key takeaway or something that they do after they're done listening to this? I think the first thing to do when you're thinking about learning in general or when that thought, that whisper of a thought creeps into your brain of like, am I where I would need to be is to just do a little gap analysis. Where are you at right now? Where do you want to be? And what are those things that are keeping you from getting there? So as soon as you click stop on this podcast, just take 30 seconds to think about, am I where I want to be? If not, where do I want to be? And what are the things that are limiting me right now? in getting there. If you can figure out those things, we can provide the learning for you to be able to close that gap. And so that's that's my invitation to all of our listeners is to just take 30 seconds to think about that and then let us know how we can support. 
Amazing. Well, to that, how can people connect with you? Yeah, LinkedIn is a is a great spot. I'm a big LinkedIn user. So just search Josh Best on LinkedIn and we can connect there. And then josh.best at cbhome.com. If you're if you're available to connect me through Teams, I'm always available on there. So any of those technologically fancy ways. I also worked in the outdoors for 10 years. So if you need to send a smoke signal, feel free. I can read them. <laughs> and, uh, and so yeah, anyway, and and I'll tell you what, that's been one of the most important parts so far is getting all of this incredibly valuable feedback from the folks that have been using our product for a long time. And so even even if you have something that you that you want to suggest as a way that we do learning, please reach out and contact me for that too. There, there is, like I said, change is not an indictment of the past. And I want all the ideas on how we can how we can grow and improve and enhance. What an amazing time for coal banker commercial professionals and their learning journeys because I, I'm so excited to see what you bring to the group and what everyone else brings to you as well, because it's really yeah. been a two-way street. Thank you so much for joining us today. It was a pleasure having you. And like I said, for those of you that really loved what Josh had to say, it's just a taste and he'll be one of our co-hosts moving forward. And so just look out in the next few weeks or months to have some more content by Josh on our podcast. For those of you that like what you hear, don't forget to like or subscribe to the CRE with Cobalt Banker Commercial Worldwide podcast. Thanks so much. Have a great day. Thank you. Thank you.